Thank you, Mark, for that. That unexpected, totally undeserved. Um, but you honor me. Thank you. For those of us who are remaining and not going to children's ministry, you can turn to First uh, Peter chapter two in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible this morning, the uh, the word will appear hopefully on the screen behind me. We'll be reading verses 4 through 10, which is a follow-up from last week. So I'll read the text and then I'll pray for the preaching of God's Word. Can everybody hear me okay? Is the volume all right? Okay. So God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father God, as we, as we look at this text, Father, we ask that you would, you would help us to see and to recognize the truth of it, Lord, that it would affect our souls, that it would affect our minds and our hearts, Father, towards you. It would cause us to understand and know your goodness and your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray for these things and ask for your glorious love on us. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Earlier this week, I get home from work. I put my stuff down and go through the mail. And I'm sitting next to uh, my wife on the couch and uh, who's watching TV. And she's working on some um, sewing stuff or crochet or uh, weaving. I, I don't know what it is she's doing. I never get it right. I don't know which what it is that she does, but she's doing this. 
with two needles. So I, is that crocheting? No, that's knitting? Okay, so see, I'm still confused because I thought she told me it was crocheting. Okay, so anyway, she's, she's doing this, and um, on TV is this reality show that's playing um, called Mama June from Not Too Hot. <laughs> and like, uh, like all reality shows, uh, this, uh, my goodness, is, uh, shows the fake and oftentimes staged drama that reality shows uh, have. And so uh, Dinah started to explain to me the story behind uh, this woman. Uh, so I, and I had to look it up. Uh, apparently, this uh, Mama June, uh, who gained fame as a mother of a young uh, beauty uh, pageant contestant whose name was Honey Boo Boo, uh, was married to a man by the name of Sugar Bear, <laughs> okay, uh, um, with another daughter called Pumpkin uh, and a, long, uh, a lifelong friend called Big Mike. Okay, I used to think you could make this stuff up, but apparently, well, I, apparently, I, I used to think that you couldn't make this stuff up, but apparently you can. Um, so these people become famous by having these TV cameras follow them around all day long, doing stuff, you know? And it's weird. It's weird. People, you know... Um, they want to become famous, so they, they have these cameras following them around, and they say, hey, look at me. Look at everything I'm doing. Isn't it boring? You know? And yet, they get, they get famous doing this. They get paid lots of money for doing no work at all, but just going around, taking their kids to dance class or going shopping, you know, at the, uh, the corner grocery store, you know, or getting the whole family together to, to help them pick out a wedding dress, you know? And then you see all this drama that goes along with it. Um, it's crazy. But this is the world that we live in. And people want to get noticed. Think of all the people taking selfies today. <laughs> I better not say anything. I know <laughs> millennials are going to... I mean, who goes around taking selfies all every, every half hour so you can see what they look like, as if, as if you forgot what they look like? Somebody say, stop. Dan, just stop right now. <laughs> Lord help. <laughs> Everybody wants to be famous or have some fame. Even, even if you don't, if you, if you may not want to be interested in, in worldwide fame, uh, you still seek to be recognized in your own small little world, whether it be at home or at work or in your church. Think about the parents who try to raise their kids to be obedient so that other parents will notice them and tell them how good they're doing, raising their kids to be good and obedient kids. Yeah. Or the guy at work who's, who's going the extra mile, coming in on the weekend to work on a special project uh, because he wants to get noticed, maybe for the next promotion that comes along. Or the guy who's got a perfectly manicured home. You know, the yard is all manicured nicely so that Everybody in the neighborhood would notice him and say something to him like, wow, you've got, a, you've got the best yard in the whole neighborhood. But this kind of fame doesn't bring true and lasting fulfillment. 
Peter knew that following Jesus wasn't going uh, to, to get them honored or give them fame. In fact, the opposite was happening. Uh, they were exiled. They were being mocked. They were being ridiculed and made fun of uh, because they were Christian. There was no fame or notoriety in, uh, being had, at least not in a good way, in a lasting, fulfilling way. Well, in verses 4 through 10, uh, Peter encourages, uh, encourages us that in, in Christ, in Christ, we have a, a new identity that grants us privileged status in the kingdom of God. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen people in a post-Christian world, which is my title for this morning's message, a royal priesthood, a chosen people in a post-Christian world. So this morning, through our text, we'll take a look at what this privileged status is that Peter is encouraging us about. So let's begin. The first one being a living stone rejected by men. A living stone rejected by men. It says, as you come to him, as you come to him. This, this is a continuation from the previous text about being born again, about, about being counted as a believer in Jesus Christ, being set apart, uh, counted as his own. See, we have this community of believers who have this common relationship, who are commanded to love one another from a pure heart, who are told then to therefore put away malice, deceit, slander, etc. Being born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. This group of believers in Jesus Christ, who is a living stone rejected by men. A living stone. Peter calls Jesus, using this title, a living stone, before he gives testimony of why he's called that. Living stone. Come on, Peter. Using, that's weird. I mean, I mean everybody knows that Stones are not alive, that they're dead. What's this about? Living stone. A living stone rejected by men. So, so Peter tells us in verse 6 why he's called the living stone. When he references the Old Testament, Isaiah 28, 16, which says this, Behold, I am lame. Now, right before the, that part of the verse, it says, thus says the Lord God. So it's God that's speaking where he says, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. God is speaking of this stone that he's chosen, this precious stone that he has decided will be the cornerstone. And he's saying, whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. A cornerstone, a stone, uh, something strong and solid, reliable. I mean, it makes sense when you're building a foundation that you want to build it with the best, the best stones that you have. And you certainly want to start it with 
a cornerstone that is chosen and precious, something that's solid, that you can begin to build off of. And that's what, they're, what, what builders do. They, they make a stone, they take a stone and they put it in the corner, and then they put another stone right next to it tightly, and they pat it down right next to it, and they put another stone on the other side, and they start to build out the building. This is what's being talked about here is providing a foundation, a solid foundation using this cornerstone that is chosen and precious by God. A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Chosen and precious. Specifically picked the highest quality best of the best. In verse 5, he says, you yourselves are living stones being used to build up God's house, his temple. See, central to this whole text is the temple. The temple is where God had promised to meet his people. In the Old Testament days, the people would build a temple uh, where the priests would go in to offer sacrifices uh, from the people to atone for their sins. But it was always temporary atonement, never lasting atonement. So the people had to keep coming back to the temple and bringing more sacrifices. This temple was man-made, and it could never fully atone for, for man's sin. It, it wasn't a lasting atonement until Jesus came. Now God is building the temple. God is building the temple, his spiritual house. And he's chosen a cornerstone that's precious in his sight. And additionally, his house is being built with more living stones. That is you and me, believers in Jesus Christ. And this spiritual house built with living stones, a holy priesthood, that is able to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Which would you rather live in? A house built by man? Uh, something that is frail and weak? A house that, that can be destroyed, that won't last, that's not permanent? Or a house built by God? that has a firm, solid foundation built on a cornerstone that he's chosen. A stone that's precious in his sight. One that cannot be destroyed and one that will last forever. And yet, and yet people still reject this cornerstone, this living stone a living stone rejected by men. The Jews and Gentiles alike rejected Jesus back then and still do today. We're still trying to build their own temples. They're still trying to build their own, their own God, their own idols, building, building temples, building religious places without Jesus. In Acts 4, um, the, the council, the Sanhedrin, 
bring together uh, Peter and some of the apostles and they're, and they're charging them. And Peter says this to them. He says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And yet they continue, and we continue to reject Jesus. So Peter tells us then what happens when we, when we continue to reject him. In verse 7, he starts off by saying, So the honor is for you who believe. He's tying all of this that he just said about in the previous verse, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame uh, in the previous verse to, to this as you come to him, which he ties to those who believe in Jesus, the community of believers, uh, those who love one another with a pure heart, those are who are putting away sin, those who have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable those who follow the living and abiding word of God, those who have set for them, have set for them in heaven an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ, the living stone, the chosen and precious cornerstone of God, whom he has set as the cornerstone of his house, his temple, which will last forever. He says to us, he says to the believers, you shall not be put to shame. However, those who do not believe, this cornerstone which you have rejected will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. What a beautiful word picture this, this provides. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. A stone of stumbling. Pic picture stones set out that cause you to stumble, to lose your balance. You can't, you can't walk five feet without you know, tripping over a stone. Losing your balance, falling over. You have no confidence in, or steadiness in your walk. You can continue to stumble and, and hurt yourself. What a picture. And then think of a rock of offense. When I, when I think of this, I think of those who were stoned to death. I think of these big, heavy, jagged rocks being thrown at somebody. Being stoned was a form of punishment, and it usually resulted in death. In fact, one of the degrees or levels of punishment was being stoned to death. And so that is being stoned until you died. Stoned continuously. They would throw rocks at you continuously until you were dead. What a picture. They stumble because they disobey God's word as they were destined to do. They stumble because they are not of the chosen. They are not of the elect. Remember, 1 Peter 1 says, the elect chosen by God to receive his great mercy. 
they shall not be put to shame. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So now Peter changes his focus to the believers in Jesus Christ, those who are also living stones through Jesus. My second point this morning is a, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In verse 9, Peter references two other Old Testament um, verses. Isaiah 43, verses 20 through 21. And in between verses 20 and 21, he sticks in Exodus 19, 5 through 6. So it looks like this. Isaiah 43, my chosen people. And then Exodus 19, you shall be my treasured possession. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then back to Isaiah 43, 21. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. See, living in a post-Christian world, Peter's message to his readers, including us, is that although we live in a world that makes fun of or ridicules Christians, uh, a world that mocks our belief in a Savior, a world that humiliates us and is against us, we are still members of a new race, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a people for his own possession, called to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, called to declare, Acts 4, 12, that there is salvation in no one else, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we receive mercy. But it was not nothing that we did on our own to deserve this. It was nothing we did or could have done to merit salvation. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, not by anything that we had done. This is important for those who have, who have yet to accept Jesus as their Savior. They'll, they'll say, well, I've been, I've been a good person all my life. I've been a good person. Isn't that enough to get me into heaven? I used to think that. And I realize now that I didn't understand the holiness of God. I didn't understand the magnificence of God, the creator of the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, who formed everything and all things. Who am I that I should tell God he should accept me into heaven based on, well, I've been a good person all of my life. 
It is out of ignorance, selfishness, arrogance that I should think I merit anything from a holy God. When I am not also holy, I am not God. I am merely his creation. But his creation that he loved enough to send his son to die for. You see, because it is only through his son's work on the cross that I can be made right with God. God requires restitution for the sins made against him, the creator of the universe. He required payment for those sins. And because we were already marred with sin, we couldn't make that sacrifice. The sacrifices of the Old Testament times in the man-made temples were not good enough to merit a long-lasting atonement. But now there has been a sufficient sacrifice. See, our death would have been merely a just punishment. But the death of his son was different because he had no sin. And when he offered himself up as a sacrifice for all sin, God said that was sufficient and acceptable to him. Even though it required his most precious son. And so then God began to build his own temple, using his son as the cornerstone, uh, the living stone chosen by God and precious in his sight. And along with Jesus, the living stone, all those who believe and accept him as their savior are also seen by God as living stones, worthy of being used to build up his spiritual house. But even as we are being used to build up his house, we are called to proclaim his excellencies. We are called to spread the good news about Jesus Christ for all to hear because God's house is not finished yet. So there is hope for those who do not yet confess Jesus as their Savior. There is hope for those who are not yet members of this community of believers, this, this royal priesthood. See, there is hope for those family members that you're praying for. Those friends that you want so much to know Jesus Christ. There's hope for them. Which brings me to my last point this morning. There's room for more living stones. There's room for more living stones. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Throughout New Testament scripture, we are charged to proclaim the good news, to tell others of the salvation through Jesus Christ, to be his witnesses. Like it says in Acts 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are his people, his chosen race, 
his royal priesthood, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. There are other living stones to gather. The temple of God has not been completed. There's still room for more living stones. There are others chosen by God, those destined to be brought out of darkness, those who were once not a people but will be God's people, those who had not yet received mercy who will receive mercy. We just don't know who they are. But it's not for us to know. Our job is to preach to the ungodly the unsaved, to preach to the unbelievers, to preach to the post-Christian world. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that is to preach Jesus Christ to all. As the band comes up, let me close with these final thoughts. We are God's messengers. God's holy nation, a nation of priests called to proclaim his glories. If we as his messengers are silent, who is going to tell the world about the glorious salvation God offers through Jesus Christ? If we are not striving to be holy and loving, if we are not putting away sin, who will demonstrate to the world the joy of life in his kingdom? Who will? Those who rejected the living stone? Those who are trying to build their own religion, their own temples, to their own idols? I, for one, wouldn't want to live in a house that is destined to fall, a house that cannot stand, a house that will fail or perish. And I don't want others to live that way either. I pray that as individuals and as a church, we will together find more opportunities to preach the good news and to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we will be recognized as a holy priesthood, a chosen people in a post-Christian world. Let's pray. Father, we pray for these opportunities. We pray for the opportunity to evangelize and to spread your word, to spread the good news of your son, Jesus, who came to die for our sins, Lord. That more living stones could be gathered up to build your temple, Lord, your spiritual house. Father, give us opportunity. Give us opportunities as individuals in our workplace, with our friends and our families. Give us opportunity as a church, as a body of believers together for this community, Lord, that we can stretch out our hands, our arms to, to gather in more living stones, to gather in people that don't know you, Father, that we can tell them about you and share with them your excellencies. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.